Good morning. Today I'm carrying on our series on unity and community. As Adam's been talking to us over the past few weeks, he's been using a passage from John 13. In this passage, Jesus says, A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. This week I came across uh, a quote which says, Love is that thing which, if a church has it, it doesn't really need much else. And if it does have it, whatever else it has doesn't really matter very much. Saying, it doesn't matter how amazing a church we are, how great our worship is, what our teaching is like, what we do in the community, what projects we have. What matters, what is seen, is how much we love one another. But what does love really look like? That's the question I've been asking myself. And for that, I continually find myself back in 1 Corinthians 13, which says, if I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have, and if I deliver my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things endures all things. Love never ends. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. But when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I filed, I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. So now faith, hope, and love abide these three, but the greatest of these is love. 
The last time I talked on this passage was at Corin and Habas's wedding. And it's a passage that is often read at these beautiful occasions because it's full of love. But the context this text was written in was first to a community that was having a very difficult time staying together. The Corinthian church was formed in a city that was full of sexual immorality and mystic religions. They were finding it a struggle to keep on track with the teachings of Jesus. And there was competition in the use of the gifts of the Holy Spirit, which is why Paul tells them that all prophecy and miracles they perform are nothing without love. My goodness, they were performing miracles. And yet it is love that is more important. And it's in these difficult realities of relationships and communities that this love needs to be lived out. This is what makes us shine. This is what God wants. The word Paul uses here for love is agape. And so when Paul describes the character of love in these verses, he's talking about agape love. Agape is the love of choice and commitment choosing to love another person. This word was chosen by the gospel writers to describe God's self-sacrificing love for man through Jesus Christ. And so the word came to represent unconditional love, choosing to love another person regardless of your feelings. You could not have a friendship love or a romantic love with your enemy, but you could choose to have agape love you could choose to love your enemy unconditionally, regardless of how he treated you back. The word agape doesn't describe an emotion at all. Agape isn't based on affection or approval. It is totally unconditional, coming as a free gift, not because the person deserves it, but because you or I choose to give it. It's a decision of the will to act in the other person's best interest, whether we feel like it or not. It's the getting down at the supper table and washing your disciples' feet. It's being willing to lay down your life to save people who don't even care about you. It's the way God loves us. And the way God calls us to act towards others as well. God also has affectionate love for us. But when we're not so great, <laughs> he chooses anyway. Looking at our text, uh, it doesn't come over very well in English, in our English translations, where love is described as patient and kind. The fullness of Paul's meaning is more that we are to show patience and act with kindness. Here, love is an active thing that never ceases in its work. It's always finding ways to express itself for the good of others. The point is, it's not a, a flowery description of romantic love in some abstract or theoretical way, but it's a sense of what love does, and especially what love does to all of us here as part of the church. We should all endeavour to be patient and kind. Moving on, envy. Comparison is a 21st century epidemic. Social media can make us believe that our friends have the most amazing lives. But the thing is, we only put our highlights on Instagram or Facebook, and sometimes those highlights aren't even real. Photoshop and the like filters can make you smooth. And they filter over a multitude of flaws. 
there is no one who comes out well from comparison. And love cannot flow when we are feeling envious of someone else's life, their partner or job or car or calling, how many dinners they are having with other people, how many people they are seeing. Love does not envy and love does not boast. Love is always about putting the other person first. Agape love is all about you and not about me. My ego needs to be left at the door. If I'm doing some amazing work in church so people see how great I am, then I need to repent. My only boast should ever be in Jesus and all he has done for us. Moving on, even when my children were very little, they hated being patronized. It's one of their big buttons. We never really spoke down to them as they were children and we listened to their opinions and they were horrified when they started dealing with other adults. So this wasn't always the case because you see, love isn't about power and YCC is a flat church. We believe that we are all sinners made in the image of God, working out this thing called life together. So if you're a Christian of 50 years, or a Christian of 50 minutes, we are all equally valued and respected. A person who has made lots of little mistakes is no more valued by God than one who has a, made a million big ones. We are all children of God, equal in his sight. So arrogance has no place within the church either. And love is not rude. Now you'd have thought that that was fairly obvious. <laughs> I'm not sure how many of us are downright rude to one another. If we are, or if we have been, we should look for forgiveness from God and the person we have wronged. However, we can all be thoughtless at times, be so wrapped up in our own little world, worlds that we forget to lift our heads enough to see the person in front of us, to see that we have ignored them or made them upset, said the wrong thing, done the wrong thing. Unity comes from how we act with one another and disunity often begins with the smallest of things. Those who love do not insist on their own way. Church is one big family and family we all know it's full of compromise. As small children we learn that the world does not revolve around us and that we need to do things that everyone enjoys. In a family, we would go on holiday. Phil loved to watch glass blowing. When we went on our holidays, the girls learned that those moments did not revolve around them. And Phil did his best to enjoy the trip to the zoo or whatever else it was the kids wanted to do. Because being together, loving one another, was always more important than getting what we wanted all of the time. Love is not irritable. Or resentful or easily angered, provoked, stirred up or touchy. <laughs> now you may we all have certain buttons which when pushed will trigger an unloving reaction in us. That's normal but some people seem to be covered in more buttons than others. Some people seem to take special pride in polishing and grooming their buttons and then they wear them all over the front of their life where people can't help but bump into them. 
I think uh, I think this is made worse uh, in our current situation with church on the internet. When we lose the human connection with the person, we lose our vulnerability. We run the risk of falling out with an image on a TV screen, who is a person that we actually love, who can't see us or hear us. If we're unhappy, we should try and communicate with the actual person and not the image on a screen. I have heckled over the last few months. But you know what? It's not love. And this goes along with patience. Proverbs 19.11 says, A man's wisdom gives him patience. It is to his glory to overlook an offence. A bad temper reveals an unloving spirit. We are called to bear with one another in love. Sometimes this constant need to be right, this constant irritability, irritability can lead us to bitterness. Paul says in this passage that we should keep no record of wrongs. Being easily angered is quick is a quick reaction which results in which results in hurtful words and harmful actions. Keeping a record of wrongs is the long-term decision to hold on to bitterness, resentment and choose not to forgive. And this can make you physically, mentally and emotionally sick. Love forgives. Love lets go of our need to be right. Those who love also do not rejoice in wrongdoing, but rejoice in the truth. Love isn't passive. When we see people doing wrong and hurting others, we shouldn't just stand by and let it happen. When a word of truth needs to be spoken, we should be ready to speak it out of love, not out of a need to judge or control other people. Also, love doesn't broadcast the problems of others. Love doesn't run down others with jokes, sarcasm or put downs. Love defends the character of the other person as much as possible within the limits of truth. Love won't lie about weaknesses, but neither will it deliberately expose or emphasise them because love protects. Love bears all things. It bears patiently with other people's faults and offences. It is long-suffering. This is the first characteristic of agape love because it is totally unconditional. It is choosing to love one another, not because of who they are, but actually in spite of who they are, in spite of what they do to you or have done to you. It's a love which understands the frailties of human nature and refuses to take offence. It is love which sees the potential in people and does not demand instant maturity or growth. It's a love which continues to desire the best for others, even when it is slandered or abused. It's a love that is remarkably like God's, and it's really hard, but so beautiful, even when we achieve it just a little bit. Love believes all things. The word here means to trust or believe in, to commit yourself to, to someone or to something. Now, love is not stupid or naive. It does not believe an obvious lie, but love chooses to believe the best about people until proven otherwise. If we trust, 
and then that trust is broken, then it needs to be earned again step by step. But love believes that the other person is innocent until proven guilty, not guilty until proven innocent. If there is a problem, love doesn't jump immediately to blame the other person. And love certainly trusts God, who is always completely trustworthy. Love always hopes. Love is unabashedly optimistic. Love does not dwell on the problems of the past, but looks forward to the future with confidence and with grace. It does not expect a brother or sister to fail, but to succeed. And love refuses to take failure as final. It exudes a godly optimism which says, I know you can do it because God in you is able. It does not ignore reality, it doesn't close its eyes to problems, but it rests on the promises of God that he is working all things together for good for those who love him and are called according to his purposes. And so love always hopes. Love endures all things. To me, this says that wherever there is love, there is pain. But also wherever there is pain, love can make a difference and can and should endure. Love also always perseveres. Love never stops loving. It continues in the face of rejection and opposition. It bears up under insult and injury. Love perseveres because it is unconditional. It chooses to love people in spite of themselves Love protects, always. Love always trusts, always hopes. Love does not fail. It always perseveres. And Paul says that without this kind of love, nothing we do, no program we run is true to God's love. Hard words. But they are inspiring and aspirational. An old legend says that in his old age, the Apostle John was so weak that he had to be carried into church meetings. At the end of the meeting, he would be helped to his feet to give a word of exhortation to speak to the group. And he would invariably repeat, little children love one another. The disciples, it says, grew weary of the same words every time. And finally, they asked him why he said the same thing over and over again. And he replied, because it is the commandment of the Lord and the observation of it alone is sufficient. The observation, keeping it alone, is enough. Love is that thing which, if a church has it, it doesn't really need much else. And if it doesn't have it, whatever else it has doesn't really matter very much. So how does this work for us in our unity and separation? For me, when I have been feeling uh, cross, stressed, difficult about Sunday mornings, about coming here on the internet to worship, I have had to choose to remember that I go to church to worship God. And when I do, I choose to love. So many people have poured out so much to create these services online. We all 
I'm sure, actually desire to be together. But we can't. So we keep on loving and choosing, choosing love until we can. We need to choose to love actively, to be patient, to speak kindly, to not be jealous of those who get to meet up or those we think we know better think we know could do better or should do a better job than everyone else. Instead, we should pray for our leaders and be encouraged and encouraging when we see things that we do like that go well. We should put ourselves in check when we get irritable and ask, what's our problem? Rather than what someone else's mistake or wrongdoing is. We should choose to look for what is good first. And if we have issues, let's not grumble find someone to talk to, preferably the person it's about. Because you see, when we don't see one another, there's a tendency to stop communicating. Even though at this moment we live in a world that's given us a hundred other ways to communicate. Honestly, if I cause an issue for you, if I have said stuff you don't like, if I've done something to wrong you, please let me know and give me the opportunity to sort it out. Because in all things, we should let love win. We need to choose together, apart, to live lives of love in every way that we can. Let's pray together. Lord, teach us what it means to love one another, to choose to love one another. Lord, we choose to show patience to each other, to treat one another kindly. Help us where we see arrogance or envy within us. Challenge us where we are arrogant or boastful and help us to come to you for forgiveness. Even in our separation, help us to remember to put one another first. To not be irritable or resentful of one another. Forgive us, Lord, when we act in ways that are not loving and kind. Help us always to look for the good in our brothers and sisters, not putting them down or causing them harm, but looking to lift them up, seeing their potential and praying that you would do them good. Lord Jesus, being a family is hard work. <laughs> loving unconditionally is difficult especially in separation when we can't see the person in front of us. Help us, I pray, to choose love, to make things right where they are wrong, to communicate when things are difficult. Help us to trust you and each other, that we can see you glorified and your church flourish. You are love. Help us to be more like you, full of love so that the world would see us and know that we belong to you. Amen.